Don's Daily South Carolina Gamecocks have been by far the most dominant women's college basketball team to this point in the season. But there is one area that could come back to haunt them if they face the wrong team on the wrong day. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello! Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecock Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecock Digest over on SI.com. Thank y'all so much for making the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast your first listen or watch for your team here today. We are free and available, as always, both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope you all have had a great holiday break. No matter what it is you celebrate, uh, I'm sure that you all definitely enjoyed having some time away from your jobs and everything, having some extra time with your family and your friends. It's always great to be around your loved ones and those you care about during this time of year. But today, we're going to get back to talking about some South Carolina Gamecock sports. And we're going to talk about Don Staley and the women's basketball team to start off today's show. And admittedly, when it comes to this team right now, there really isn't a whole heck of a lot to say. I mean, this team has been absolutely demolishing the majority of the opponents that they have faced so far this season. As evidenced by their 11-0 mark to this point, the fact that they are the unanimous number one team in the country, according to the Associated Press Top 25 poll voters, and, you know, the fact that no team has, I think, come within eight points in terms of the final point differential in any of South Carolina's games against each of these squads. But there is one potential area that could lead to South Carolina's women's basketball team having a possible slip-up at some point down the road, and that is their three-point defensive percentage. Now, South Carolina currently has the 45th best marker. They're tied for the 45th best mark in the country when it comes to three-point shooting percentage defense, and that stat is 26.2%. So when I say all that, some of you might be sitting there going, Andrew, you are really grasping at straws here. Why on earth are you even talking about this? And I understand those feelings to a certain extent if that's how you feel right now, but entertain me for just a few minutes. South Carolina, there have been a couple of instances this season where they have struggled to prevent their opponent from knocking down a high percentage of three-point shots from the floor. Let's take a look at a couple of those games. On November the 12th, South Carolina took on the number 14th ranked Maryland Terrapins, and the Terrapins shot 10 for 22 from behind the arc, or 45.5% from three in that game. On December 3rd, South Carolina narrowly escaped in Durham, North Carolina against the Duke Blue Devils because Duke, they made things interesting down the stretch because of the fact that they shot 11 of 23 from behind the three-point line, or 47.8% from that range. And then, South Carolina's latest game that they played at Bowling Green, sure, that game was out of reach from pretty much the very beginning, the first seven minutes, but the Falcons did have some moderate success when it came to shooting three-pointers against the Gamecocks as they hit 11 of their 29 three-point attempts. 
shooting 37.9% from the floor in that area. So my overall point so far is that there are a few teams that have shown that it is possible to shoot at a high clip from three-point range against the South Carolina Gamecocks. You're not going to be able to do it consistently, but you can make it happen. So, the reason I bring this up is because for South Carolina, look, they're not like every other women's college basketball program. They just aren't. In my opinion, and I think in the opinion of many out there in the sport, and obviously in South Carolina's fan base, the Gamecocks are the standard in this sport right now. And because you are the standard, you are the program that has the biggest bullseye on your collective backs compared to everybody else, you are therefore held to a higher standard. And for South Carolina, they are eventually going to play some teams that can actually go toe-to-toe with them for 40 minutes. More than likely, that will be in the NCAA tournament. And the thing is, when you look at some of the best three-point shooting teams in the country right now, a few of these teams are teams that are likely going to make deep runs in March. Utah, for example, a opponent that South Carolina actually has already faced this season, they're currently shooting 42.55% from three on 376 attempts. They love to throw up their threes, but Utah actually makes them at a pretty high percentage as well. UConn, a future opponent that I'll talk about in a couple minutes, they are currently shooting 38.33% from three on 227 attempts. Southern Cal, they're shooting right around 38% on 229 attempts. And the Baylor Bears, they are shooting 37.1% from three on 259 attempts. South Carolina could face any of these teams in just a few months. And when it comes to March, Obviously, as we all saw last year, all it takes is one off night, and you're done. Your season is over. All of your postseason goals, if you're the Gamecocks, in terms of maybe trying to make it back to the Final Four, win another national title, are all wiped away just like that. And the Gamecocks, they are going to face a couple of teams over the next couple of months, in conference play in particular, that do shoot well from behind the three-point line and could potentially pose problems if, again, they have a great day from that area of the floor and South Carolina subsequently has an off day. Mississippi State is the very first game that I'm referencing here. The Gamecocks take on the Bulldogs on January the 7th. I believe it might be their first conference game or their second conference game of this schedule. The Bulldogs currently are shooting 36.74% from three on the season, and that's on 264 attempts. So, they like to shoot from that area, but the Bulldogs can make their shots. The very next game is at Missouri. The Tigers, who in the past have been a thorn in the side of the Gamecocks at times, they also shoot well from behind the three-point line, shooting 37.26% from the floor on 314 attempts. Gamecock fans, I think, know very well that's a team that really likes to get things going from behind the three-point line. Last season, at least early on in their game against the Gamecocks in the Colonial Life Arena, they did give South Carolina a little bit of trouble in that aspect. And then South Carolina has a highly anticipated showdown with the Yukon Huskies in Columbia on February the 11th. And the Huskies, they're shooting 38.33% from three on 227 attempts. So the whole point of this conversation, I'm not trying to put down South Carolina's women's basketball team because trust me, it's pretty doggone hard to do. 
But admittedly, you know, there's not really a whole lot to, again, discuss with this team because of just how good they are. I mean, they're beating most of these teams by 25, 30 plus points. So for this show, I really wanted to dive into something that, you know, again, right now hasn't affected South Carolina all too often, but it might be something to monitor moving forward. If you're looking for something that, you know, hey, the Gamecocks could improve a little bit on, it would probably be their three-point shooting percentage defense. Some fans might think it's a nothing burger, but every single team has a kryptonite. Every single team has a very small area or maybe just one area where they can be exposed. And if you face the wrong team on the wrong day, nobody is safe, especially in today's landscape when it comes to women's college basketball, when you consider the amount of parity that now exists in this sport, which is obviously a good thing. But at the same time, it means if you're South Carolina, you cannot take any opponent lightly especially the ones that you know, again, more than likely you're going to face maybe in the SEC tournament or you're going to face in the NCAA tournament where at that point, every single game matters. So, not a humongous problem, but definitely something to monitor with South Carolina's women's basketball team moving forward. Now, for Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program, they've not had a whole lot going on over the past couple days with obviously the holidays taking place, but also mainly in the transfer portal. Hasn't been really a whole lot of movement there in the past week, week and a half or so since that massive slew of commitments that took place. But the Gamecocks, in my opinion, could have another wave of portal entries coming, not from their own team, but in the portal itself. And therefore, they could have a chance to make some more moves to try to fill out certain holes on their roster. We're going to talk about all of that in a bit more detail in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy and also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, and LED headlights, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts to choose from for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your vehicle every time or you'll get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily watch on YouTube or your daily listen wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. The portal badness may have quieted down, at least for the time being, for the South Carolina Gamecocks, but I've got a gut feeling that South Carolina is not done yet when it comes to mining the transfer portal. 
We talked about this this past week here on the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, but Shane Beamer and this football program, they still have several needs that they need to address when you look at this roster. Amongst those needs are needing to find a backup quarterback. You still need to find a number one caliber wide receiver out of the portal, plus probably another rotational piece in that wide receiver room. You could also probably stand to find another offensive lineman and also an outside corner that could at the very least push some of these younger guys and potentially compete for a starting job opposite O'Donnell Fortune. Now, with all that bearing in mind, it does seem like that the South Carolina Gamecocks are done with this first wave of portal entries. There hasn't been a whole lot that's been reported and or said over the past couple days regarding those particular players, but there is another wave coming. Now, it might not be the same in terms of quantity as the first wave was, but quality, I think you'll still find plenty of in this upcoming wave because beginning tomorrow and going through New Year's Day, There's going to be a bunch of top 25 programs that are going to be officially playing their ball games. And there are going to be some players from those teams that are going to be entering the transfer portal. Especially when you consider the fact that in the past week or so, there's been an exemption made for multi-time transfers. Essentially, if a guy transferred to a program this past offseason for the 2023 season and wants to transfer again... Under the previous set of rules, you had to sit out for at least a year unless you were a grad transfer or you maybe had a particular waiver that was approved by the NCAA. But now you can transfer to another program and you are immediately eligible to play that next season. So that's going to be a bit of a multiplier in terms of the amount of guys that are going to test the waters of the transfer portal. Now, in terms of What could happen for guys that maybe have interest in South Carolina? Maybe the Gamecocks start to offer a bunch of guys beginning on, say, the 28th or the 29th of December. And some guys want to take a visit. Most of these guys obviously want to at least set their eyes on the program that they could be playing for the very next year. There's a quiet period that is going to begin on January the 3rd, which is a Wednesday. And that will run all the way through January the 7th, which is a Sunday. A quiet period means basically that these coaches cannot see these guys off campus, which, I mean, in this case is would probably be pretty hard to do in the first place considering all these guys are transfer portal prospects. But these transfers can come to Columbia. They can go over to williams Price Stadium. They can go to the Long Family Football Operations Center and check out everything that South Carolina has to offer. And they can talk to the coaches there in the building. And because of how much time is going to be left in this portal cycle or before classes begin for the spring semester or winter semester, there's going to probably only be one visit taken by most of these prospects. A lot of these guys, they might take, you know, a couple one-day visits or they might just go to one place for a whole weekend just to get a good idea of whether or not they want to actually transfer to that school. And I should also emphasize this. The deadline for this transfer portal cycle or the final day of this current cycle is January the 2nd, which is going to be this next Tuesday. That does not mean that all these guys have to have a final decision by the end of January 2nd. What it means is you have until the end of that day to officially enter into the transfer portal. So, for the Gamecocks, in my opinion, 
You're going to probably see them offer a few more guys, not quite as many as they did with this first wave, but still a select group of guys upcoming in the next few days. Those guys will likely then take some visits to Columbia between January the 3rd and January the 7th. And then around January 9th or 10th, that'll probably be sort of the unofficial end of this transfer portal cycle. Because by that point, most of these guys, they probably will have made their final decisions. And at that point, again, a lot of schools are going to be starting back up for the winter heading into the spring semester. And so these guys, they've got to figure out what kind of classes they're going to take. They got to find an apartment or whatever. And they got to get to their new school as quickly as possible. So they're not going to stretch this out too far this late into the transfer portal process is my overall point here. So for Shane Beamer, the Gamecocks, they've already gotten some really good players in this portal class, but I don't think they're done yet by any means. So just keep an eye out on some of these guys that do enter the portal over the next five to seven days, because they very well could be guys that South Carolina covets and therefore targets as potential Gamecocks for the 2024 football season. Welcome back to today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, before we wrap up today's show, let's talk about the recent news regarding Stone Blanton. As it was officially reported and then pretty much confirmed by Stone Blanton through a appreciation post that he put on social media this past Saturday night that he plans to officially enter the transfer portal. Now, Snowbland has yet to officially enter, so of course there's always the possibility that he could return, but based on what he said, it does seem like that uh, Snowbland probably is not going to be coming back for this next season. And I will say this should not be treated as a total nothing burger. You know, it's amazing. And I want to emphasize, I'm not talking to every South Carolina Gamecock fan out there. Okay. Want to get that out of the way before I say this. It's amazing to me how some fans will act when a kid, a student athlete makes a decision like this and basically make it out like that they didn't do anything during their time at South Carolina. I will say this, Stone Blanton... He is a player that has a set ceiling at this point in his football career. Stone Bland at this point probably cannot elevate that ceiling very much. I'm definitely willing to admit that. But when we look back on Stone Bland's time at South Carolina, and particularly the 2023 season where he got his chance to be a starter on this defense, and I believe he started each and every single one of these football games in 2023, I think that it is more than fair to say that Stoneblatt suffered from the scheme that he was playing in for the majority of this fall. Obviously, South Carolina did not make the permanent switch to the 3-3-5 until week 11 when they played the Vanderbilt Commodores. Before then, they were playing a 4-2-5 defense or a nickel defense. Stone Blanton being a more of a downhill linebacker, a guy that really thrives when he's able to work his way up the field towards the box, off towards the offensive line, and try to affect the run game. That is where his strengths lie. Having him run sideline to sideline from essentially the middle of the field, not so much. 
So the 425, clearly, it was never a good fit from Stone Blanton to begin with. I think that it really confused a lot of things for him because there was so much that he had to try and sift through with everything happening with the offensive line, the mesh point in the offensive backfield, any motion that could be utilized from one side to the other. There were so many things that he had to look at. I think that it was pretty clear at times. It did get to Stone a little bit. But that's not the player's fault. Again, it's up to the coaches to put these players in the best position to succeed. At least that's what a lot of these guys say. I don't think that was always the case with Stoneland in the 4-2-5. In the 3-3-5, playing more maybe an outside linebacker role, uh, Stoneland was clearly a much better football player in that formation, in that base defense. So let's just get that out of the way first and foremost. Bland is definitely a solid defender when he's utilized properly. He fits a particular scheme, and unfortunately for the majority of this year, the Gamecocks were playing, quite frankly, the wrong scheme based on what kind of personnel they had. So let's just get it out of the way first and foremost. Now, there's also this idea that Stoneblatt is transferring because his playing time got cut into at the end of the season. And I also got to say, I don't know where the heck some of you fans are getting this idea from. Stone Blanton, he played 54 snaps against Kentucky, and he played 61 snaps against Clemson. That's according to Pro Football Focus. Now, Bam Martin Scott did get a lot more attention at the end of the season because he got inserted as sort of the third linebacker in that 3-3-5, and he made a ton of plays along with Debo Williams. So I could see how, from a perception standpoint, some fans maybe felt like that Bam Martin Scott had somehow cut into Stone Blanton's snaps in these games, but that was not really the case at all. So... We've gotten all that now out of the way regarding Stone Bland and his time at South Carolina. Assuming that Stone Bland is officially moving on and there's no chance that he comes back, where does this leave the linebacker room? Well, going to next year, this linebacker room, I will say, it is going to be deeper and it is going to be full of talent. You're going to have guys like Bam Martin Scott back there. You're going to have Debo Williams back there. Grayson Pup Howard should be a year older, and therefore better in this defense. Fred Johnson is enrolling here. Wendell Gregory is set to be on campus soon. Muhammad Kaba, hopefully nothing happens with his rehab, but based on what Shane Beamer said at his press conference during the early National Signing Day period, Muhammad Kaba is going to be back in a Gamecock uniform in 2024. He might not be the same player he once used to be. He is still going to be a valuable part of that linebacker room. So those are six guys right there off the top of my head. Now you probably need to find another guy or two to put in there. Maybe Dylan Stewart technically is classified as an outside linebacker when he gets here. It's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. But again, that's simply based on the scheme. So I will say you have a two deep, right? You have a two deep at linebacker. But this is where it hurts losing Stone Bland, a guy that played in 24 games at South Carolina and started 12. If you have a guy go down with an injury, and at linebacker, a position that's very physical still in today's game of football, that's going to happen probably at some point, you're going to possibly be in some trouble. Now, you could also maybe move some guys around. I know that Clayton White apparently likes to cross-train a lot of his defensive players, at least in the back six or seven, so... These linebackers, you know, probably some of the roles are interchangeable where one guy can play in one spot, but if a guy goes down the other side and they don't want to take him out, they can throw him over to the other side and put someone else in there in his old spot. They could do something like that. But to make it out like Stone Bland is not a loss at all, 
It is just ridiculous. I'm sick of seeing that on social media. Please stop doing it. Quite, quite honestly, just stop doing it. It's not a good look on you. It's not a good look on South Carolina's fan base. You should never do that to a college kid. Okay? So, Stone Blanton, you know, if I had to make a guess as to where he could probably end up, I will go ahead and guess Mississippi State. I would feel a lot more confident saying that if Zach Arnett was still there and they were still running that 3-3-5 defense, but with Zach Arnett being fired, Jeff Lebby from Oklahoma is now going to Mississippi State. Who knows what kind of defense he's going to employ. I'm not quite sure. You know, maybe it does work out for Stone Blanton. Maybe it doesn't. But I would imagine maybe he'd like to be a bit closer to home, but maybe still like to play in the SEC. And I certainly think that depending on the defensive scheme, Stone Blanton is still an SEC starting caliber linebacker. So we'll see what happens with him moving forward. But with that being said, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are y'all's thoughts on South Carolina's women's basketball team? Do you think that the three-point shooting percentage defense is a touch of a concern? Or do you think that, you know, South Carolina, there really isn't any sort of glaring uh, concern with this team right now? What are your thoughts on the potential portal moves that Shane Broom and the staff could make in the coming couple of weeks? And lastly, what are your thoughts on Stone Blanton being expected to enter the transfer portal and where that leaves the linebacker room? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. But as always, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.